This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone here and around the world. We think, hope, we have solved the computer freezing problem, and Ian is back to moderate Q&A. And we send you warm thanks to all of you who emailed your enthusiasm for last week's Earthfile broadcast about the mysterious 3D objects on Mars, found in digital searches of Gale Crater and beyond by David Gannett, producer of Mars X3D Studio, and his new stereographic 3D digital book, released on Amazon, entitled Martian Archaeology, Stunning Evidence of a Vanished Civilization. Inside Gale Crater on Mars, David Gannett found five mysterious 3D objects that included a toppled pinnacle, which is a 3D image of what appears to be a stone sculpture of a humanoid figure wearing a cone-shaped hat. The gold here outlines that cone-shaped headgear that ancient Assyrians wore in Mesopotamia centuries ago on Earth. I told you last week that I would try to interview psychological anthropologist Dr. Chris Hardy, Ph.D., about her perspective of this fallen stone structure in Gale Crater on Mars. I recommend that everyone read her brilliant 2016 book about the extraterrestrial, quote, Wars of the Anunnaki, Nuclear Self-Destruction in Ancient Sumer, close quote. And I emailed her this Gale Crater image from David Gannett for her comment. On January 7th, Dr. Hardy emailed back, quote, I just opened the link on YouTube to hear your January 3rd live Earth Files broadcast. Your session is really excellent in so many respects. These are truly essential questions you are raising. Why are these intelligent races whose fate has been entwined with Earth humans why are they not front and center introduced to us? Why are we plunged again right now in another stage of wars, hatred, and destruction on Earth? I am currently traveling and hope we can talk soon via Skype contact, but let me first assess if I find the Mars images to be of genuine archaeological interest." Close quote. We set a date-time to do a recorded interview about the 3D stone in Gale Crater for tonight's Earth Files broadcast. But at the agreed-upon date and time, her internet and phone connections failed completely for reasons unknown. But Dr. Hardy would agree that for thousands of years, even early humans on Earth have reported flying machines in the sky. And that leads me to ask, have you noticed headlines like this one dated January 4th, 2024, this new year, periodically popping up, but not as official NASA releases? Quote, James Webb Telescope just detected city lights 7 trillion miles from Earth. 
Close quote. This is a 26-minute video produced by Beyond Discovery, not official NASA. Wouldn't you assume such groundbreaking cosmic news would be the priority of NASA and blasted around the world in large headlines? Let's look at a one-minute segment from this video. Unlike its predecessor, the JWST is designed to capture long wavelength visible light through mid-infrared wavelengths, providing a broader and clearer view of the cosmos. Recently, the JWST made a groundbreaking discovery that has captivated the scientific community and the public alike. The telescope detected an extraordinary phenomenon, a cluster of lights from a planet located an astounding 7 trillion miles away from Earth. Based on spectral analysis, scientists are positive that the planet in question, WASP-96b, may host extraterrestrial life. The revelation challenges conventional astronomical assumptions, igniting excitement and curiosity about the existence of alien populations beyond our solar system. The discovery has sent shockwaves through the scientific community, prompting a reevaluation of our understanding of cosmic phenomena and the potential for life beyond Earth. And then there is other older video from 2016, eight years ago, alleging that even before the James Webb Space Telescope had launched, while it was being tested, it discovered, quote, city lights, that's their term, city lights glowing on the planet Proxima b that orbits the star Proxima Centauri only four light years from Earth. And next is a 2016 video excerpt about that news, again, not official NASA. The James Webb Space Telescope, which is scheduled to debut in the latter part of this year, has already made an astounding discovery. It has found evidence of artificial light on the potentially habitable exoplanet Proxima b, which is located in the habitable zone of its star, Proxima Centauri. After its initial discovery in 2016, Proxima b swiftly gained a reputation as one of the most interesting exoplanets that had ever been found. It is in the habitable zone of Proxima Centauri, the star that is the closest to our solar system, and it is nearly the same size as Earth. The James Webb Space Telescope, which is slated to become the most powerful telescope ever sent into space, was responsible for making the discovery of artificial light on Proxima b. Astronomers will be able to examine the cosmos in a level of precision that has never been achieved before thanks to the array of cutting-edge technologies that have been installed on the telescope. These instruments will give astronomers the ability to pick up even the slightest glimmers of light coming from faraway planets and stars. The James Webb Space Telescope was able to discover a faint but distinct signal of artificial light on the planet Proxima b by utilizing the superior capabilities it possesses. This pattern was not consistent with natural sources of light such as volcanic activity or auroras, leading experts to assume that it is most likely the result of a highly advanced civilization already existing on the planet. The finding of artificial light on Proxima b has brought up a lot of questions regarding the potential of intelligent civilizations existing in other parts of the cosmos and the nature of extraterrestrial life in general. In spite of the fact that it is not yet known what form this civilization may take or what their ambitions may be, the discovery serves as a timely reminder of the expansiveness and variety of the cosmos.
This discovery of manufactured light on Proxima b is just the beginning of what promises to be an exciting journey of discovery, and we can only think what other surprises are waiting to be unearthed in the darkness of space. The conclusion is that the finding of artificial light on Proxima b by the James Webb Space Telescope is a significant milestone that has the potential to bring about a revolutionary change in our comprehension of the universe and our position within it. This artist's impression shows a view of the surface of the planet Proxima b orbiting the red dwarf star Proxima Centauri. Alpha Centauri ab also appears in the image. Proxima b is a little more massive than the Earth and orbits in the habitable zone around Proxima Centauri, where the temperature is suitable for liquid water to exist on its surface. If the James Webb Telescope really has made discoveries of artificial city lights far from Earth on Proxima b, only 4.24 light years from Earth, and there are also artificial city lights on WASP-96b, a planet 7 trillion miles from Earth. Why is such groundbreaking news buried in these videos that are like web diversions, not front-page news? I have also recently received more information from a military aerospace source about the silver egg-shaped craft on the back of this army truck that was in July 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico. The source has told me, quote, using x-rays, this extraterrestrial craft appeared solid as granite, only later to find out that the hull was in two parts. There was an outer skin, which was a hardened alloy, and the inner hull protected the occupants in an inner pod made of the same material as the second inner hull. A special carbon dioxide laser and associated supporting equipment were used to run the laser continuously, and the slag from the laser burn was analyzed and contained three unknown elements that to this day we are not sure how they were manufactured or what type of star could create those three unknown elements." Close quote. This particular recovered UAP was historically housed at Kirtland Air Force Base and managed by the AFRL, the Air Force Research Laboratory. There is a large metallurgical science division at Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque dedicated to studying this craft and trying to understand the atomic nuclei ratios in the recovered samples. Allegedly, two occupants were recovered from the craft, but no details." Close quote. I am so glad that Ian is back with us tonight to moderate questions after a very sad time, helping his mom through her recent passing, and before next going to Q&A, I would like to share with you an Earth Files viewer post of a powerful experience that she wrote about in answer to this question. Have you ever had a weird experience immediately following the death of a loved one that made you think there is an afterlife and that the deceased person was communicating with you.
Here's the mom's answer. I woke up one morning with my eight-year-old son hugging me and telling me that everything will be fine. Yet he was not actually physically there. He was staying at his father's far away. I asked him how he got home, and then he was gone. I jumped out of bed and began searching all over the house for him. My daughter woke up, and I asked her if she saw her brother. She looked at me like I was losing my mind. Uh, Mom, he's at Dad's. But I felt I had actually felt and talked with him, and it was as real as anything. Kind of dazed, I went about my day until hours later. I received a phone call from my children's father. Our little eight-year-old son had just died from a terrible car accident. I still believe to this day that he came to me before he passed, and I have been comforted by this. The next day, I traveled to the scene of where he had died. All of a sudden, I heard him say clear as anyone, Mom, look at me. I can fly. And then he said another thing I will never forget. He said, Mom, there is no such thing as time, and everything will be fine. You will be fine. But the most important was the pre-passing hug." Close quote. Ian, God bless your mom, wherever she is, and welcome back. What have you got for questions? Okay, Linda, thank you. And, uh uh, thank you as well to all the Earthfiles audience who get so many messages of help and support uh, from last week. So thank, thank you, Bonnie. We uh, all need to, to help. Here. Yeah, we uh, all Dr. need. Delor we all need to help each other, and that those kinds of reports from people. And it's reminded me that yeah. we're all. Yeah, um, we got emergency tonight. He says the big deal is coming from JWST. K21B. Uh, I don't know if you can comment on K21B, uh, but um, but that's what Moonbirds um, It's breaking up, Ian. I don't know. We, here we thought we were past the freeze problems, and now we've got uh, communication problems of hearing you. So uh, can you go on to something that doesn't have letters and numbers in it and try another question? It's breaking okay. up. Right. Well, um, I'm standing. I cannot believe that we've we've gone from what we thought was solving the freezing problems, and now we've got dropouts with you. I guess what I'll do, I'll just, Ian, come in when, you, when you're ready, and I'll just continue. I would be very interested to hear from our audience, the Earth Files audience, if any of you have ever had an experience similar to this mother feeling the heat, the skin, the hug of her eight-year-old son, and then learning that he died and she is uncertain that he come before 
during, after, but that it was so real to her. And there have been so many other facets around that uh, very particular type of experience in and around a loved one's passing. And there's something else while we're waiting and hoping that uh, Ian and Brad can get the other worked out. But I have for a long time thought that there is a parallel of two tracks of the information that comes to me on a regular basis. There is the track of all of the hard, physical, different kinds of craft, different kinds of beings, some AI, some biological, things that seem to uh, have substance. And then the, the same people that sometimes have described extraordinary and astonishing abductions, they also will have something extraordinary happen in something like a near-death experience or a relative that passes, usually close. And similarly, they think that they either have seen them, they have been touched by them, that some, there's been a temperature change in a room, a light, and that that is associated with the hard world data that the person that they felt passed. And I, I often wonder what is the parallel track between what the extraterrestrial intelligences are investigating and the recycling of souls, as I feel that humans have strong souls and are part of the reincarnation. But there are so many differences in terms even of populations on our planet in the relationship to what happens at the moment of death. And maybe it is one of the large, uh, we'll say large research projects by ETs here on Earth. So I would be very interested of how many of you listening tonight may know somebody or you've had your own experience where you have no doubt that there was an association between a passing and something that was physical and what your own sense is of the relationship of the soul to you and those of you who have had interactions with non-humans that express deep, deep interest in the perpetuation of certain lives in human form, in ET form, in other kinds of forms. This is very difficult material, but it seems to me that it is around and underneath this other big, hard, physical, astonishing technology and the difference between AI and biological intelligence. Now I'm going to pass over to see if Ian, are you, do you think you can reach us now? Yeah, I'm here, Linda. Is that okay? Yes, that's fantastic. Yeah, Brad's just patched me back in again with, I hope, a better connection now. Oh, great. Uh, okay, going back to our audience, uh, Peter Cowell messaged me earlier and says, I am especially interested in this week's subject matter. I do believe the capability exists to make such discoveries such as the artificial lights, but I doubt that the truth would be readily revealed, as usual. 
Okay, back question. Why have these headlines been in videos that have come out? Brad has done a lot of searching on them for me. I did my own searching. They are there. They are talking about where uh, there has been an observation by the James Webb Telescope first before it launched of Proxima b like a test and then this most recent WASP-96. And where are the headlines in the news around the world if in fact, and it's, it's the reporting that uses the term city lights. What if that is being discovered, but it's not, what? It's not being reported? What is going on? And we're getting um, uh, Moonbird is in the audience tonight. He says the big deal is coming from JWST planet K218b. Can you comment on planet K218b at all, Linda? Not tonight, but if there is another one, are they saying that they have observed city lights, city artificial lights, like these other uh, two? I'm not sure. Moonbird, uh, give us some more information on that. Let's uh, throw it back to Linda. Wouldn't you uh, think, Ian, that any research that is getting positive results about city lights 4.24 light years away, uh, 7 trillion away, wouldn't you think that that would be everywhere covered in three inches around the planet? You would have thought so. And we would have expected so, but we are in this time of secrecy that, again, doesn't make sense. But at least we're getting some information and getting it out to our Earthfiles audience. But yeah. in the mainstream media, for it not to be picked up is quite astonishing, really. Well, I would uh, like for you to interact with the chat and ask if uh, people are surprised by this, that there have been these reports, not official, about city lights on other planets going back to 2016, right before the Webb telescope would launch that year. And now in the new year of January, 2024, what are people's reactions that these are not only headlines that are kind of buried, but these videos, whole videos with them saying uh, those phrases, uh, scientists are, uh, are astonished uh, around the world, sciences, and we aren't hearing anything. The disconnect is amazing. I know. Uh, it, Dr. Dolores Myers says, it's really cool to think of city lights. I expect very little from NASA anymore. And Linda Young says, I hope these other planets can take us in after the 1% gets done burning up Earth. <laughs> oh, let's, let's all of us try really, really hard to concentrate not on doom and gloom and nukes and war and hatred. If, if we try every day, everyone who is coming to Earth Files and beyond, and we really concentrate on trying to see light and healing and not darkness and not nukes, and seeing a world is, that is balanced between life and the amount of life that the planet can sustain without destroying the, the planet and everything else, which is where we are right now, if we really all could concentrate on seeing 
feeling a different atmosphere, a planet that was well, humans that were well, and that we could be welcomed to know about other civilizations that have lights that our own telescope is picking up? Doesn't that seem just fundamental? Yes, it does. And uh, yes, you're right. We need to focus on the positivity and not uh, be bogged down by, uh, by any negativity around us <clears throat> and keep going forwards. And fundamental, uh, I mean, they, we're talking about information that is saying we, that scientists have confirmed that there are city light frequencies at uh, Proxima B and WASPs 96. They're not, uh, they're not uh, qualifying it. What I shared, that's why I shared it tonight. And that's the part that I don't understand. Why would this not be worldwide news overwhelming all of the stuff uh, about um, government inaction? <laughs> Yeah, well, Linda Young follows up her comments in the chat today with uh, something very much more positive. She says as well, uh, can we all focus for 10 minutes of focus to bring about a flood of acceptance of truth in all aspects of public life, in spiritual matters, political, ET, science, all walks of life? Yes, absolutely. But let's, the, the first big thing that seems to me that should happen is just every place, everywhere, science everywhere, telling straightforward truth that we're not alone in this universe and all the 500,000 reasons why. And this is just one of them, that <laughs> we have proof and we're not even reporting it to the Earth about the uh, city lights on two other planets. And maybe Moonbird has got another one and maybe uh, other people have more planets with this kind of secret secret discussions about that city lights means some kind of intelligence is living on that planet. Yeah, and uh, someone has pointed out as well that uh, we had city lights before we had uh, radio transmitters, but uh, the city lights may have been pretty dim then, but at least uh, it was signs of intelligent life. Well, let's okay. transition from this subject to others that you have leaving the question to all of you, if you have any more information, whether it is not official NASA or not, uh, about city lights being confirmed by the Webb telescope, both before it was launched in uh, 2016 and since, that is not being reported, uh, please get in touch with me through my email address, earthfiles at earthfiles.com. I'm really puzzled by this. Go ahead, Ian. Okay, uh, we have got some more information on the Webb telescope discovering methane carbon dioxide in atmosphere of K218b. Uh, I've been referenced to a news article that says that uh, the uh, exoplanet 8.6 times as, ma as massive as Earth has revealed the presence of carbon-bearing molecules, including methane and carbon dioxide. Webb's discovery adds to the recent studies suggesting that K218b uh, could be an exoplanet which has the potential to possess a hydrogen-rich atmosphere and a water-covered surface. But is so it showing? Is it showing lights? <laughs> is it showing no, it city lights? lights. 
That's what I'm interested in. Are there other reports like these two of the pl of another planet or just these two that have city lights that are being reported somehow within the community of uh, astrophysicists and physicists and people concentrating on the astronomy of our universe? And that's the part. If it's not being distributed to the world, why not? Exactly, and it should be. It should be shared with each of us. Uh, I can't explain is in the audience tonight. Now, a lot of people are asking about the uh, Miami shopping mall aliens, where ten foot tall aliens were reported, and apparently up to sixty police cars attended the scene. It's been uh, explained away by the authorities as saying that these were shadows and, um, and that, but. I can't explain, adds another detail to this. He says, my friend who was at the Miami Mall said the aliens were not real, but holograms. He was about 30 feet away, and he said they were glitching like a giant TV screen. Well, that's fascinating to hear uh, from someone who was a, well, who knows a first-hand witness there. So we had urged, I can't explain to perhaps give us more details. Do you have anything to say on that? Yes, yeah, I have probably 20 emails today of people asking me, sending me videos, sending me photos. Um, and overall, a resident who was there said there was something strange that the police uh, dismissed it, but that what you just said about somebody talking about the glitching in one of the reports to me today, they said that this looked like something like a hologram. And I thought, and the video, the little videos that they had sent me today, one person was skilled enough to put an arrow so that I could see what they were talking about. They had been down in that general area. I don't know who had taken this particular video, they didn't say. But they had an arrow that showed something that was translucent. Translucence, shape-shifting. Uh, holographic presentations to humans. That's been a part of the UFO ET interaction with humans uh, for decades. Would this be a an ET test? Would it be a government test of how ETs might interact with humans because it was a government test of what will happen in this large shopping mall? It's like a nest of uh, those nest of boxes. And the, the problem of understanding anything is that at least the several, half a dozen little videos that I was sent, nothing was very clear. That may be because there was some frequency that was put over the whole area that caused everything to look uh, quite a bit out of focus. I don't know. But the insight from a from the person that you are quoting, Ian, that makes sense to me. It could have been a test, but by whom? Using holograms, for what reason? That's right, and so I'd urge anybody who's got any more information on that, or direct information, or knows anyone who's there, to please contact us directly at earthfiles yeah. at earthfiles.com. And I can't explain, if you can persuade your friend to contact us, we'd really like to talk to them and get a first-hand account. So please do. We'll yes. carry on investigating it and bringing any, any developments to our audience as we go. Yeah.
And if anybody in our audience tonight or listening has any what you think is substantial information about what happened in that mall, uh, please get in touch with uh, Ian through the chat and comments or to me directly, earthfiles at earthfiles.com. That's right. And we've got uh, some, uh, one comment here from Autumn Wolf who talks about meeting a man recently who I don't think was really human. I wasn't afraid of him, though. I think he knew I knew he wasn't human. Uh, I've been tracking a lot of these so-called interactions with non-humans, with people who have these experiences outside of, let's say, sometimes their contactees, abductees, or in the contact scenario. So what can you tell us about that, Linda, meeting people who are almost human but not really human? Well... I have talked on this program probably two or three years ago about an incident that happened to me in Peddler's Village, a beautiful suburb area outside of Philly when I lived in Philadelphia until 2004. And this occurred, I believe, in the year before I left and settled here. So it was probably between 2003 and 2004. And I had been to Peddler's Village, I don't know, a hundred times, beautiful place to go have dinner or lunch and wonderful shops and hills and flowers and trees, just fantastic. And one of my favorite shops had everything. It had jewelry, it had uh, carvings, it was somewhere between an art store and um, things like uh, pinafores and some clothes. It was just a mixture of wonderful things in this beautiful peddler village. And I had gone in specifically just to look for something that would match. I was looking for some kind of a match between something of jewelry for some clothes. And they had all these big, big glass that went all the way around. This is the important where I ended up. I'm coming around these cabinets with glasses, glass that you could ask to open up. And probably 20 five, 30 feet from where I started. So now I'm getting back further in the store, fewer people. And there was a sunglass kiosk that you would turn around. And I just started looking, not with anything in mind. I had nothing in my mind except just looking at new models of sunglasses. When all of a sudden, I had this feeling, just instantly, intuitive feeling, something's here that's not human. And I started walking slowly. I didn't want to cause any issue. I just started moving around slowly around the spinning sunglass kiosk. And when I got as far as I could go to the right, I could see a female, clearly to me, not human. And when I say that, I can see the face and the body now extremely thin, about 5'8", hair pulled back in a strange ponytail. I don't know what the hair was like. Very pale with a slight tinge of gray. And as soon as my sunglassed eyes looking at her, and I thought in my head, 
she's alien. That body moved. It moved so fast that it, um, I don't understand how it happened because we were on either side of the kiosk. And I, seeing her disappear, I didn't see where she went. I saw her disappear in front of me. So I turned to my left to get around. And I walked through that store, retracing my steps that would take me away from having to be in the cluster of people. I went on the outside border to that door. I must have gotten to that door in uh, 10, 15 seconds. Nothing. I went out on top of a hill that you could look down on everybody around. Nothing. So that happened to me, and it, I've always thought, was I being followed in there, or was this a being that was already in this beautiful, beautiful park and shop for its own exploration, and that I just happen, because I have strong intuitive senses, I just happened right when I got to that kiosk, this image, this word, something's here that's not human. So that's my own direct experience with this. And if those of you who understand what we're asking, have you seen shape-shifting? Have you seen eyes change? Have you anything that you thought that you knew for a fact, no, no ifs, ends about it, that it was not a homo sapien, it was something else? I would like to know. That's right, and I'll emphasize that. Please contact us directly at earthfiles at earthfiles.com and include a contact uh, telephone number. We always treat it confidentially, but we would love to talk to people who have had these experiences and follow up on them as well. Yes, I, I keep things confidential all the time. Linda, I just want to do some super chats uh, okay. to some of our audience tonight. Uh, so first of all, here we have Moonbird, of course, in the lead. Hello, Moonbird. Leanne Marshall, Lewis Kent-Jura, Mike Basil, Terry, Caroline Boyce, and Brennan. And I've also got a question here, uh, just seeing who it comes from. Uh, not sure who it's from, but it says, Greetings from Mountain View. Do you think the Morphet fields hide beings from other worlds? Could you comment on that, Linda? I have not one question in my mind about different frequencies, different dimensional frequencies, different matter frequencies, are used by the advanced extraterrestrials the way we might play a piano. And that there's no, to me, there's just no doubt uh, when aerospace people have talked to me about how they know from working through the Space Force in the craft uh, that have gone out to other solar systems, that they have learned that the advanced intelligences like the tall whites use other dimensional frequencies to move rapidly. And it, but in a way so that if you're in the third dimension and you want to go a thousand light years or if the seven trillion to, uh, in this headline uh, about uh, the city lights on a planet seven trillion, they know how to do the Alcubierre warp drive kind of physics, but they also know how 
very quickly to know which dimension, which to us is not even an experiential question, we, we, we really don't understand that, but that they know which dimension that they have to go into for a side trip that bounces them back so that they get to wherever their many light year distance is away, they shorten it. It's, and this is a clumsy way because my mind cannot comprehend what it means for us, where, that sentence that the mom said, I've heard this from some scientists, that we really don't have time. What does that mean to humans who are totally, I would say, not trapped, but time, the, the whole incremental time always passing, and that we have such Drosophila-type lives, short, made apparently by the extraterrestrial biological entities that manipulated DNA in already evolving primates 278 million years ago. This planet has been in play between different types for different reasons, genetic manipulation. And for us in 20, uh, the, going into this new year and century, to use those words that there is no time to humans, where do we even grasp comprehension? Let alone that all of the dimensions have different frequencies and being able to control, manipulate frequencies, that's the key. That's that conference presentation that I have been doing the last three or four years. From brains to galaxies, the key is frequencies. And that's what I would say is a general large answer to that specific question. Thank you, Linda. Linda, let's uh, remind the audience about your upcoming conference appearances. Uh, you're next appearing at the Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Hilton, uh, which takes place between February the 9th and the 12th. Yes, it's one of the most fun conferences of any given year. I think I've been at every one since they began a decade and a half ago or so. And it's in the LAX Hilton. So you're in a hotel and everything is vertical, meaning wherever you are, you go down or you go up to get to uh, conference rooms or to have dinner or whatever. And it is really a fun conference. And um, I'm going to be concentrating on different facets of the work that I'm doing now in relationship to information coming to me from what I would say was a category of military aerospace medical people. And so I encourage everybody uh, sign up for coming to my lecture, uh, workshop, panels, and in, an intensive uh, that's three hours on the Monday at the after the conference. There will be several of us doing intensive, and uh, it's a wonderful conference. That's right. I've uh, posted some links, and we'll also be putting some links in the narrative below the video this evening, and uh, inviting our Earthfast uh, audience to order their tickets directly from the link. And the links will also be carried on the Earthfast website as well. 
and if we're lucky, maybe by Conscious Life Expo, that we're going to finally have a headline explaining where the James Webb has seen city lights on different planets. I'm, I'm really, really eager to, to understand this. Yes, that would be amazing if we do. And let's, let's hope that we can break through this somehow. Again, people in the, in the chat audience this evening are still saying they just don't understand the, sec the secrecy. Uh, and and which type? Which type of non-human is on these two different planets that have city lights? It, I just can't wait to have some kind of hard knowledge. Linda, could you comment perhaps on the tall whites? Um, Seafoodman8 says he thinks the tall greys are more advanced than the tall whites. I'm not sure how he um, scales them against each other, but... How would you rate them, tall greys and tall whites, which would be more advanced? I wish I could talk from first-hand knowledge uh, to my, uh, I guess, to my knowledge in my life. I have not had an interaction with a grey or a tall white, maybe in a Nordic. Uh, a couple of things right there, but they look so Scandinavian that they are the hardest to tell apart from homo sapien as I understand it. The information on the tall whites did not really start, I think, emerging in the details that it has until approximately five years ago in my work. Before then, I would say going back, especially if you go back to the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, almost every single thing was dominated by grays or types of greys. And then people started uh, breaking down or uh, coming from military backgrounds and talking about the Nordics. And probably throughout that, that period of time, going back to the 60s and 70s, I think the Nordics were also in people's descriptions. But it didn't mature into discussions about how many different types of non-humans do we have on our planet throughout this solar system and then out to the Milky Way galaxy and beyond into this huge, gigantic universe? How many? That used to be one of the uh, fun discussions at dinners at conferences. But then it became much more serious when, for whatever reason, and I can't explain it, people who were contacting about having either something in their house or being out in a forest or an interaction with a being that they said was the color of white chalk, that the skin was like white chalk, if you can imagine in your mind's eye now, touching something that's very, very dry, very powdery, no humidity, that that is, allegedly, that is the feel of the skin. I can't speak from firsthand. And with the tall whites, probably the first person was working at Area 51 and wrote, uh, Ian, was it a one, two, or three volume book, Charles Hall? I think it was three, the three volume one. Uh, was I think it was too. It, it, it's a lot of material, and this came from Charles Hall, 
who was working at Area 51 S4. And I got to talk with him at a gathering here in Albuquerque, probably going back about five or six, maybe seven years ago. And a bunch of us were at a gathering in which I met him and we started talking and he ended up, I think, telling the group, and then I talked with him about it later, in which he was on all-night duty at S4. And that they knew that a new guy was coming. They had gotten telephone or whatever was the messaging in the military uh, world. That a new guy was coming on probably at 4 a.m. And Charles Hall was in his normal all-night work in his normal place. Nothing was abnormal, as I recall. The truck comes. The man with the name that they had been told gets out and starts walking, and Charles Hall said he couldn't believe what was happening. That those working at S4 around anything having to do with the tall whites are warned, are punished, a whole bunch of bad things can happen if you do anything to trespass onto the territory that has been agreed upon where the tall whites and their families live underground, as I understand it, in a very large underground facility near Alice Springs and that area. And that what Charles Hall wrote about and was talking at this gathering, the new man instead of coming down straight to where Charles Hall was, where they were doing the monitoring of this area at S4, the new person did a 45 degree cut across so-called no man's land. The tall whites were here, the human uh, air force was there, and instead of this, did this 45 degree and as Charles Hall said, the way this all happened, I don't know whether it was manipulated or what, but as the new guy is doing the 45 degree angle that he should not be doing, coming from underground was a male, female, parents, tall white, with two of their white children in front of them. And they are moving this way, the new guy is moving this way, Charles Hall is watching, and the new guy dropped dead. And he said, what happened was completely predictable. The tall whites are extremely, extremely strict. When they make agreements, they are abiding laws. If they have a uh, land underneath the surface of the earth that has been granted to them, and they tell everyone, our children, our families are sacred to them. No one comes toward our children. No one comes toward us unless there has been an agreement. And that all of that was went out the window that night, and Charles Hall did not know what had happened. Why the death? The way he explained this to me, and I've heard variations on this from a few other people, that the tall whites have told 
government military people. It is nothing for them to stop the electrical current that keeps a human heart going. And they do it with their mind, and they will do it instantly if anything is violated that they do not agree about. And that that was considered justifiable because of the crazy 45-degree angle coming right at the, them as they were coming up with their children. I've also heard that there have been detailed agreements, I don't know when, made with the tall whites because, and here is how strange it all is, they are actually, and Charles Hall I think would agree in his books, this theme is there, that the tall whites, for reasons that are not clear, they would like to see humans, that they may have had a lot to do with the, uh, the genetic manipulation of already evolving primates to create Homo sapien, along with others. What is the mysterious, true background of Homo sapien sapien? And that they want to see us evolve. They want to see us become stronger. But they want us to do it in a way that the consciousness of the universe and the consciousness of our minds and the higher dimensions and what we would call the avatars of history, that there are layers and layers and dimensions and frequencies that the tall whites know how to traverse, and we don't. And that humans are looked at as worth working around, worth trying to develop and evolve for reasons that are not exactly clear. But that whatever the genetic component is of our original background, if it is the Anunnaki, then the tension the potential conflict, the potential war, the potential disagreements because of skin color, all might relate to the fact that a civilization that is very mysterious, even though it left tablets and tablets and tablets that people like Chris Hardy have been able to work with and do a brilliant book about, that if our original genetic manipulation carries the DNA of the Anunnaki, it might explain why we can be a troublesome species. And it may be that the tall whites may even feel guilty. And maybe they want to see us finally survive and rise above our self-destructive nature. And if they do, if that actually can happen, if humans can actually reach a point where there's no more war because, the, as the Greeks said, they finally humanity gets to an agape, love your fellow neighbor as yourself. And that that has been the goal of the avatars of history, Krishna, Buddha, Christ, Joseph Smith, maybe even Muhammad. It is a very difficult and complex weaving. 
and the tall whites who can stop a heart may be one of the very most important intelligences out there that wants to see Earth survive. Survive us, survive anything else that's a threat. And maybe right now in this very dangerous time where the concept of nukes flying from North Korea or from uh, Russia or from China or from any place, it just seems to be rhetoric that is continuing to increase, and I find that scary. If the tall whites are the only ones that are keeping us from the Holocaust of something like a nuclear war, may they stay, may they continue to protect us, and may we finally get to a day where they can be introduced to the earth as minds that can move through dimensions, but they care enough to help here on this beautiful planet that we are not taking very good care of. So that's how complicated I think all this is. And anybody else who's had an interaction with a tall white in military service or other, who has an insight like Charles Hall gave in those three volumes, and he defended the tall whites when that scene happened at night because God only knows what was wrong with the new guy on the block. And that we can't get, what do I want to say? We can't get to an earth in which life is sustained in great health at animal levels, marine levels, human primate levels, at all levels. We're never, ever going to be able to sustain if we don't stop fighting with each other over nothing. So, Ian, uh, I know I'm at the 8.30 mark. Um, I'm glad we're back. We still have a little bit of a problem with, with, with your voice now being heard, but I hope that I have been able to uh, reply and that I'm so glad we're back in the saddle. And Brad worked for several hours today trying to make sure that we wouldn't have the freezing problem. So as we go into this new year with all kinds of questions about what's going to happen, are we going to have more subcommittee hearings in Congress? Are we actually going to start hearing truth everywhere about the relationship of other intelligences in this universe that appear to have their own cities with city lights that can be picked up by our James Webb Space Telescope, even if we're not being told the truth about that in full either. Oh, to be on a planet where truth, real truth, is what guides and binds us and our evolution going forward. And on that note, I'm going to say, until next week, I pray everybody stays healthy and protected. And dear Ian, bless you and your mom wherever she is.
Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. Yeah.